Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. Hi there. We're back with another Smart Driving Cars podcast. Lots to talk about. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Great to be with you again, Alan. Uh, Great to be with you, too. Well, let's chat for a minute about the U.S. Department of Transportation's new report showing that in 2016, deaths on U.S. roads increased 5.6% from the year before, 37,461 lives. That spurred a lot of debate Too much technology causing distractions, distraction-related deaths were up 2.2%, or maybe not enough tech to help prevent the accidents. Straighten us out here. Well, I think that's been the fundamental problem, at least since 2012, when all of a sudden the jump in annual fatalities on our roadways went up. It had been going down for the past uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 years Uh, and uh, all of the uh, crash mitigation work that was done by NHTSA and others with respect to putting uh, airbags and and, uh, crushed zones and all sorts of uh, design improvements in the vehicles to basically uh, help us survive crashes, all of a sudden uh, turned around that, in fact, what we were doing was crashing more and uh, that in fact uh, my goodness um technology which is out of distraction uh was uh, was the probable cause and uh, and this has continued and it was reported again uh for 2016 that it went up again and the important thing is is that it didn't go up because we just traveled more, in other words, because vehicle miles tra- traveled increased, uh, but it increased even greater than what you would expect if, if um, uh, that might be uh, due to just the increased uh, use of the automobile, uh, it increased even more, which suggests that distraction has uh, certainly continues to be there and certainly increased. Now, you know, part of the report states that, in fact, uh, the causes of these uh, fatalities um, uh, due to distraction actually went down a little bit from 2015 and didn't go up. Uh, but that the uh, uh, causes from alcohol uh, and so on uh, increased. Um, uh, I guess um, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to suggest that uh, there's something else going on there that's really caused by distraction. I would just uh, look at the data again, make sure that the, the that the reporting and the measurement um, aspects uh, didn't change between 2015 and 2016. In other words, the the categorization of the cause of the fatality. Uh, is uh, did did the, that categorization process somehow change and change um, uh, the implications that are being drawn? Uh, but um, whether it be that or not, uh, uh, more people are dying 
uh, uh, with respect to our mode of travel, and it's not caused by just more use of that mode of travel. It's caused by something else. And so, um, uh, as we've been suggesting, uh, as you pose the question, yes, indeed, it may be time for uh, a different technology to come in and uh, and take us to Vision Zero. Um, the current the ways that we've been trying to do it with crash mitigation um, has maybe um, uh, done as much as it can. Maybe what we now need to do is to do crash avoidance. Uh, and not have the crash in the first place, so that you don't end up using uh, your uh, needing to to have used your seatbelt, needing to have had uh, airbags, needing to have had crush zones uh, and collapsible steering wheels, and so on and so forth. Uh, why are we crashing in the first place? We shouldn't be crashing, and the technology uh, exists. Uh, to keep us from crashing, and that needs to be implemented um, immediately. It really needs to be ubiquitous for it to have uh, the kind of impact that, that, that we need to see. Well, absolutely. I mean, you can't put it in just one vehicle. You have to get it in, into all the vehicles, but you have to start with the first one, and we really have to get going, and we have to accelerate the, that, that, that introduction. Uh, and right now, it's focused at best in new cars, uh, even though, um, uh, even though uh, what's in the showroom now uh, isn't, uh, doesn't really have 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 it uh, in any great quantity and probably to accelerate it even more we really should be looking at aftermarket um, how do we uh, uh, develop this technology so it can be retrofitted in in the vehicles that are already out there and and it's time to really move on that do you see a time or would you advocate uh, the way the government requires seatbelts and, and their use in vehicles, that this technology should be a requirement? Well, of course I would like to advocate that, that, that Big Brother tell us exactly what to do and force us to do it. Uh, I mean, in some sense, that's the easy way. It's really not easy to get Washington to do anything. Uh, but there, there are economic reasons to do this. There are fundamental insurance could do more and get it out there faster than Washington. Why? Because they could basically do as when I bought my house. Uh, it's a 200-year-old house. The insurance agent came in and said, oh, you have old wiring. And if you're going to have old wiring, well, the insurance rates for this house is going to be X. However, if you update it to safer wiring that exists today, then your insurance rate will be Y, and Y was substantially less than X. And in this, the, the difference between Y and X is that, in fact, the insurance, the amount that insurance could encourage people to have this by giving them discounts or maybe even buying it for them, is that, in fact, uh, the cost of this technology is, if it's not already there, it's very close to being there. The cost of the technology is less than what the insurance implications are. They can give you enough of a discount. Um, a flow in the get-go could be out there saying, we can give you the discount that will 
let you buy this stuff if the auto manufacturers are going even want to are going to charge you more and encourage people to do this they can make this happen so much faster than washington um and i continue to encourage them to do that not only save people money but save them injuries possible death yeah i mean geez uh, well apparently you know people We've known from seatbelts and so on, people, I guess they really didn't care that they would be injured. They never, people don't think it's going to happen to them, okay? It's always the other guy, all right? So therefore, it's been a hard sell that way. And 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 so, um, you know, and, and the insurance and so on wasn't out there paying for it. Here, insurance could be paying for it with the money that they would not have to pay to fix it. You know what they what insurance does is it collects money early and spends it late, and it keeps it around so that basically fixes the problem that you cause. Well, if you don't cause a problem anymore, they get to keep it. Just think how much richer the, the flow would be if if she got to keep all that money as opposed to having to spend it. I mean that's the fundamental thing that's going on here, and somehow the insurance industry either doesn't believe it, or uh, I don't know. They're who knows, but they're certainly not doing it. But they could. Well, moving on here, we talked yeah. last time about the efforts going on to convince the public about the safety of autonomous vehicles, and Waymo has put out a safety report to bolster that, perhaps. Well, I I think the Waymo report is one of the best reports that's been put out there uh, in all this. It, that's the it, spinoff from Google. That's the spinoff from Google. They, I guess, they've anticipated. Probably they've lobbied uh, for the for the NHTSA and others to re, require uh, uh, or to uh, uh, ask for uh, safety reports. Basically, reports of how well the, each per, each group's technology is doing, and uh, they've sort of uh, gone out there and basically preempted and any demand for such things and put out their own. Why? Because they have a great story to tell. They've been very careful. They've done very good work. And uh, in a sense, if one looks at it, one has to be really impressed at the eight-year record that they've put out there, you know, starting basically from a a garage, you know, uh, uh, Steve Jobs-like out there on a garage and really doing this and doing this in a very good way and reporting on it and presenting it in a way that is uh, that is very compelling. So I have nothing but but uh, praise to say about that report. And you're heading to Washington uh, to a meeting with the uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Uh, they're, they're doing a workshop on related things here, the, the safety yes, self-assessments? Yes, tomorrow they're doing a workshop on their automated driving systems 2.0, their vision uh, for safety, which is basically, uh, you know, the new policy coming out of uh, out of the um, uh, the Department of Transportation, and um, and so I'm going down there to, um, I guess, listen and learn. Yeah, there's a, a new study uh, moving on again. Uh, inspired by Boston's early experiments with self-driving cars that finds that the technology could ease congestion 
but they're saying might also lead to more cars on the road and further encourage urban sprawl. I, I think you had a reaction to that. Well, again, the reaction is, what are they talking about? If they're talking about self-driving cars, which are going to be owned by individuals, us, then, you know, the answer, if you do an analysis, has to be that, in fact, it's going to encourage sprawl and lead to uh, more vehicle miles traveled because there's no encouragement to share rides and uh, because each of us are going to continue to own these vehicles. And guess what? The vehicle is going to be easier and more pleasant to use. So what are we going to do? Well, hey, I guess in things that, you know, the normal person does, if something is even better, we, we, we consume it even more. And so uh, some of us, you, me, might have looked at, at some very inexpensive land out there very far away from a city center and said, well, we don't want to buy it now because it's going to be such a pain in the waz to be able to, you know, get to to my work in town or travel. And so therefore I'm not going to be enticed by the low land value of way out there uh, and the bucolic nature of that because of the unfortunate uh, side effect of I'm going to have to drive more. But all of a sudden, if I now have this new technology that allows me to basically relax and just and not have the pain in the whatever associated with driving, then, hey, I guess I am going to take advantage of that cheap land out there. I mean, that's the fundamental force of, of urban sprawl. It has to do that. Or somebody has to have at least some sort of economic argument that suggests that that's not. And, the, and that report does not suggest that at all. So self-driving, absolutely. Urban sprawl, more VMT, more cars, because there's more VMT, more cars out there at any point in time, more congestion, blah, blah, blah. Unless you're talking about shared transportation, which is what they're looking at uh, in places like Helsinki. Well, yeah, and there what you're looking at is not self-driving that I own the vehicle. It's a driverless vehicle. It is out there owned by a fleet operator that makes mobility on demand available to me to use, you know, and, and so I don't own an automobile anymore. And where does, and that operator is really encouraged to try to get me and you to share a vehicle. Why? Because it's going to cost them the same to provide the, the, the that, op, that service. But he's going to collect more money from the two of us than he would have collected or she would have collected from the one of us. So he's going to make it and she's going to make that an encouraged sort of thing. So that encourages ride sharing. And where does that work best? It works best where people sort of live in medium density kind of environments. 
and don't have to travel very far. And there's a lot of opportunity for us to share rides. And therefore, that's where the service is going to be. And all of a sudden, we're going to find that to be a better living environment than going all the way out to nowhere where uh, land is cheap, but we'd never get any that kind of service. And then we're going to have to own one of the self-drivings to get us out there. The heck with that. We're going to give it up. We're not going to we're not going to buy the vehicle. We're going to we're going to just be chauffeured around and it's going to make medium density urban areas really attractive. And we're all going to move there instead of way out. So therefore, what that does is that's what the numbers have to come out and give you. They have to come out and give you that then, hey, uh, uh, vehicle miles person miles might go down person miles but because we're sharing the vehicles vehicle miles will go down substantially vehicle miles going down substantially then reduces congestion reduces everything and is good good for the environment and it's a fleet operator and the fleet operator does not have any range anxiety or or refuel anxiety associated with electric vehicles and guess what that that fleet operator guess what she's going to do she's going to buy electric cars for her fleet and so that's how we get to electric vehicles not by us buying a, a self-driving electric vehicle for ourselves that then you know we have all this range anxiety and all this uh, refill anxiety and recharge anxiety and therefore we say heck no we're not buying that thing we're going to stay with uh, our diesel powered car whatever you know it's interesting <laughs> in new york state uh, governor cuomo has announced that general motors and its uh, startup subsidiary cruise automation they've applied to test uh, the the automated driving technology early next year and where are they doing it Manhattan. What do you think? Fantastic. Why not? Uh, if you want a really tough environment, uh, hey, <laughs> New York is the place where you want to. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. I guess that's the you know that's the motto. And in fact, I think it's a good place uh, to go out and and test. Um, uh, unfortunately, New York and its regulations uh, for testing these things have, have had in or have, or I don't think they've modified them, that you had to have a police escort uh, to do it. I mean, are they really uh, going to require GM to have a police escort to do that? Um, uh, whatever, um, you know, in the end, that's not very much money, but but it certainly won't be a very good test when you when you have a police escort going down Fifth Avenue or, or down Wall Street. What, I mean, that's not a real test. Uh, so, um, um, so we'll have to see how, how this actually is implemented then. Yes. So the implementation, there are some details in the implementation, but I think it, it really is a good thing. Again, um, if if the cruise vehicle can make it in New York, um, and I guess we'll have to say <laughs> it can make it anywhere. Well, a couple of other quick headlines. Tesla is expanding its insurance program to the U.S. and Canada. Why does it make sense for them to be in the insurance business? Oh, I mean, I think that that will shake up the insurance industry and finally say, my goodness, uh, there. 
Tesla has done enough tests so that they know how much improvement in the in the crash reduction their technology delivers and so they're able to quantify what the insurance implications are and they must be seeing that if they ask their customers to go out there and buy their insurance from the flow or the get-go that in fact they are being ripped off to put it in hard terms perhaps a sales and, tool ellen that uh, they can uh, they can offer cheaper insurance to to buyers and you know so teslas aren't quite so expensive absolutely that and in fact uh, take the responsibility and maybe build a little bit into the price but when you look at the price all out and i'm sure they will provide that information they'll see that they're doing their customers an enormous advantage and so uh yes finally maybe somebody is gonna is gonna shake up the the insurance in, industry to to actually go out there and provide insurance that is really reflective of of what the the risk uh, liability is with a vehicle, and if the technology substantially reduces the liability implications of, of the vehicle, then then Tesla's decided, well, if they're not going to do it, we're going to do it. I guess that's what they did. Again, I have no inside information, but but in it, but just looking at it, that's the that would be the motivating force. And finally, it is apple picking season, and so this week, a new video of what would appear to be one of Apple's Project Titan self-driving cars has been posted to Twitter. You know, we've been hearing about Apple and self-driving vehicles for for so long now, and you wonder, are they in it for real or what? Well, I can't wait to see their safety report. I mean, if they put out a report like... Uh, uh, as uh, as Waymo did, then we'll understand whether or not they're having any success with it or not. Uh, uh, they, from the looks of the vehicle, they haven't made it as pretty as an iPhone. So I don't know. <laughs> they they the, the, their their product design hasn't taken a, a princess phone and evolved it into an iPhone. If anybody who's listening to this can remember a princess phone, or maybe they should just look at my office phone in my office. I mean, uh, you know. Um, uh, so um, uh, at least on the on the on the um, product side, um, uh, it's it's, um, it's it's not really there. But uh, maybe what they're really doing is uh, is they just want to deal with the with the software side and the and the data side and uh, in some sense then who cares what it looks like? And it would be good to see Apple participating in this. I, I, hey, the more the better. The the more the better. Please. Well, that's it for this edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Find us at smartdrivingcar.com on SoundCloud, and look for my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening.